Okay, before starting, I want to let you know that there will be tons of spoilers about the movie Soul in today's episode. So if you have watched the movie before, that'll be great because you know all the scenes I talk about. If you haven't watched the movie and you don't mind the spoilers, you're also welcome to go ahead and give this episode a listen if you want to. I want to start by giving a quick recap of the major plotline in the movie. The main character, his name is Joe. He is this New York-based jazz player, and he believes his true calling in life is to play jazz on the biggest stage. But in reality, he's actually a high school music teacher. Then this day came, and he got the biggest opportunity of his life to play with the best New York jazz player on the same stage. And right before the show, he accidentally died and became a bodiless soul in the great before. The great before is this heaven-like place where little souls get their personalities and they get ready to come to earth and live. And it is here he met soul number 22, who has been around in the great before for probably thousands of years because she just refuses to be born into earth and sees no purpose in living. Then, with a series of coincidental events, 22 actually caught a glimpse of life on earth by living inside Joe's body for a few hours. And through that experience, she finally discovered her passion to live. So in the end of the movie, 22 left the grave before to be born, and Joe got to have another chance to live his everyday to the fullest. I watched this movie three times in total. The first time, I didn't feel anything. I didn't even understand why this is such a critically acclaimed movie. But the second time and the third time, gosh, I cried my eyes out. Mind you that the number of times I actually cried in my life due to a movie or a TV show can be counted with one hand, probably. And they were all just like minor tearing up. But when I watched this movie, I cried so hard that I was fighting for breath. Now everyone loves Soul. It's a genuinely wholesome, heartwarming, entertaining movie. But this movie is just so unique and irreplaceable for me because I rewatched it after just coming out of a three-year-long depressive time of my life. And it resonated so hard with me. What the movie revealed was so simple. It was basically the solution to my seemingly never-ending suffer back in the days. And actually, I was the most depressed when I watched this movie for the first time. But I missed the message completely, and it didn't really help me at the time. So what changed? To answer that question, we have to backtrack a little. The hint to the answer lies in the character of 22. 22 has probably lived for eternity in the great before. 
She has this baby face, a mischievous middle-aged woman's voice, and the old jaded heart. There's a part in the movie where each soul would get a mentor that guides them to find their own spark that makes them want to come and live a life on Earth. And Twenty Two has had countless mentors: Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, Carl Jung. Mother Teresa, there's no amount of great souls in human history can give her the spark to live. She has all these bulletproof reasons for why living has no point. I think she might be the most evil character of all animation movies, because she represents the dark side of all of us, of humanity. She has no hope. If you look at the YouTube comments of clips of this movie, many of them mention the phrase "existential crisis." It is defined as a form of inner conflict that occurs when someone questions the meaning, the purpose, or reason for living. My existential crisis can be dated all the way back to college. Growing up. I always assumed I would go to medical school and help people by becoming a doctor. I remember one day after another round of exams, I realized that my GPA would never be good enough to get me into any of these medical schools. The goal was so important to me that I was desperate and deprived of all hope. I felt like. All that effort and money my parents spent to raise me was a waste. Even breathing the oxygen around me felt like a waste to the resources of the earth. Remember in the movie when Joe found the monster twenty-two, kept telling herself, "You have no purpose, not worth living." I believe anyone who has been through this kind of Unhealthy self-attack can seriously relate to that scene. There is a lot that I want to say about how did our value system got twisted so bad to cause us to have thoughts like that, but I'll leave it for the future because this is not what today's episode is about. Anyways, my crisis got worse after the death of my grandpa, and breaking up with my long-term partner at that time. The two most important relationships in my life had been severed. So instead of making time for the five stages of grief, my brain started to figure out why these things happen. I loved my partner at that time, but we were both young and just plainly incompatible. My brain couldn't reconcile that conflict. It brought me so much pain. But the worst part was when my grandpa passed away. Instead of accepting death is part of life, I started asking questions like, "Why are we here if we all have to die?" My grandpa was my hero, my comfort, the biggest warmth of the first fourteen years of my life. The image of him hooked onto the ventilation machine. I cannot get that out of my head. I started resenting life. 
if this is what all of us come down to, then why are we all here? I couldn't accept that. This is the way life is. I started blaming my parents for giving me life without my own consent. And I think that's how I fell into nihilism. Now, I don't know too much about this philosophy. Neither have I read extensively about it. But since this episode is about my personal takes, not a formal movie review, forgive me if I use the word wrong. For me, nihilism is a feeling that nothing in life has real meaning. So every day you tread back and forth between not wanting to live, but can't bring yourself to end it. It's a dark place, like the Monster 22 in the desert when Joe spotted her. I think nihilism is the core of this character because she needs to go to Earth but doesn't see the purpose. She treads back and forth between wanting to find her spark, the passion of living, and logically finding no good reasons to live. As a result, all she did was stalling in the great before until eternity. Now, in the movie, Joe was actually a really lucky character. He has jazz. So even when he lost sight of the little things in life, he was still convinced that jazz was why he is alive and would do anything to come back to Earth to keep living and keep playing. But what if you are someone who never found that one soul passion? Throughout my life, I've always dabbled in many things superficially and always find it hard to go deep in any of them. When I had my existential crisis, I also thought finding a purpose in life is what I needed. I went through many variations of it. I once thought becoming a doctor would make me worthy. When that didn't work, I thought I would go into tech and work on a mission that makes the future a better place. But then our whole team got laid off. I also had many little experiments and projects here and there. They're all supposed to have some deeper life mission behind them, but nothing stuck. At the end of the day, no amount of purpose searching can bring me out of that nihilism hole. In addition, another side effect of this was I forgot what it feels like to genuinely do something just because I want to, without a logical or practical reason behind it. You want to dance because you feel like it. There's an urge in your body to do it not because you need to put up a show for anyone. And in the movie, we see that's exactly what 22 does when she's in Joe's body. Her and Joe call it jazzing, and that's how you enjoy life. Life is a jazz piece. I just can't get over how beautiful this analogy to jazz is. I once heard a really good quote from a podcast. I think the host and guest were talking about how to avoid making mistakes in life. 
That's when the guest said, "Life is jazz. When you play jazz, whether you messed up that one note or not, depends on what note you play to follow it." That was so beautiful. The ability to jazz. We all used to know that when we were kids. Kids are the ones that really know how to do what they want to do. But the process of growing up, the goals we have to achieve in school, societal expectations, anxiety and worries for not meeting them, made us all forget that ability. In the movie, learning to jazz made Twenty Two inspired to live. It gave her the spark. Similarly, when we can't jazz, meaning when there is conflict between what we want to do and what we should do, that's when one starts to question life, and worse, have an existential crisis. But it's okay because the ability to jazz is all in here, all within ourselves. Anyone can get that back. But how? This brings us back to the question I asked in the beginning. The movie laid out the solution to life right in front of me, but I didn't pick it up. I had to learn it another way. Early 2023, I started studying Chinese medicine, and it was nothing like I expected. By this point, you know that I'm someone that thinks too logically about life. And tend to solve my problems that way. Clearly, it didn't get me anywhere. Still, when I started learning Chinese medicine, the logical and the scientific part of me was full of doubt. By the way, that's why I understand that maybe some of you will find what I'm about to say a little hard to trust. After learning it for almost a year, I see Chinese medicine as an abstract. A very useful model that help us to understand things about our physical and mental health. It's not meant to be taken in the literal sense, or on the physical matter level. But still, if you find some of what I said hard to believe, feel free to take them as a grain of salt and only take away what's useful for you. Anyways, I was very shocked when our. Teacher told us to forget logic, put down your brain a little, and try to establish that connection with your physical body. We do this through something called zhanzhuang and dazuo. You can think of them as standing and sitting meditation, while being aware of what you feel all the time. One reason to do this is to improve your sensibility. To a human body, so you can practice things like acupuncture and qigong massage better. The other reason is more on the spiritual level. In the system of Chinese medicine, there are three components to the human body: shen, which is the spirit part of someone; qi, is the energy, or for the sake of understanding. You can think of it as the metabolic activity that's happening in your body, and lastly, xing is the physical mass. 
When someone is in a negative mental state for a long time, we say this person's shen, spirit, is sick. It's sick because it's ungrounded and left to wander on its own. Where does it need to ground to? The answer is your body. That's why the best way to calm your shen, your spirit, is by making your body happy. When your body is happy, your spirit naturally wants to come back to it. The body I talk about here, you can think of it as our physical senses. Just like when you eat something really good, for a split of second, you can't even think about your worries anymore. All you want to do is close your eyes and enjoy the moment. This is a split of second of your spirit coming back and connects with your body's sensations. Or when you see really beautiful nature, it naturally takes your anxieties off your mind. Your mind and body becomes one under its beauty. And when your spirit and body is one, that is the ultimate state of content. It's also the secret to How 22 Jazz. This leads to something the movie does really well, and I haven't seen enough people talk about this. 22 was nihilistic because she doesn't have a body. When she had Joe's body, that's when her connection with the world began. It started with her enjoying a pizza when the body was really hungry. We then see her having a bagel listening to music in the echoey tunnel, lying on top of the subway vent, walking, she even finds passion in walking. That's only something a little kid would do. And when she watched the leaf spinning down from the tree through rays of sunlight and felt how it landed on her hand, do you think she has any mental space? for thinking about her arguments with her previous mentors about how life is not worth living? No, because she is living. Her mind and body are both here, both present, both together to enjoy the moment. That's basically the cliche that everyone nowadays keeps saying, being present. When you are this present, Life can't not be inspiring. Don't know why, but that's just how it works. That's why, for God knows how long, 22 never got her spark. Because she's a soul that has a really active mind, and she has no body to tether that active mind onto. As a soul, she can't taste, she can't feel, Nothing in the great before can give her what she needs. The plot where she went into Joe's body has to happen, because having a body, feeling a body, is the 100% guaranteed way to find the spark, the desire to live. Now, 22 is good at jazzing, because she is a fresh soul. She hasn't been jaded by society yet. In fact, all toddlers are pretty great at jazzing if you watch how they play and entertain themselves. 
But what happens when you grow up? What happens when you're surrounded by social media, digital screens, consumerism, societal pressure, and external expectations? They don't care much about our bodies. They all compete for our minds, for our attentions. That's why in modern days, our minds are all detached from our bodies. How many of us have to watch the TV or the phone when we eat dinner? Our mind reads one thing, our body does another. We fall asleep looking at our phone or thinking about the business presentation the next day. In this movie, I relate the most to 22 because of our shared nihilistic nature. But I noticed that many people related to Joe because they all took the little things for granted. That's just plain old living, said Joe. We all know we shouldn't take plain old living for granted, but it's so hard to do it. Because it is hard, we're fighting a battle with the modern world. Nothing about it is designed to bring our minds to our bodies. That's why, in this last part, I want to share a few things that I personally find to be helpful for us to come back into the body. Number one is meditation. The key is to do it consistently. Best to do it every day, even just 10 minutes. You can do it however you want. But the Chinese medicine way is no guidance. Just close your eyes and observe. No need to focus, no need to work hard, and have no goals. Sit here, passively feel your body. Let the sensations come to you. Where is it cold? Where is it hot? Where do you feel pressure? And where does it feel empty? If you notice things happening in your body, that's great. If you notice nothing, that's great too. If all you can notice is how many thoughts you have, that's awesome. Keep doing it consistently, and it will get more and more interesting. You will definitely get lost in your thoughts. When you have noticed that, just acknowledge it and move on to bring the mind back again. There's no need to judge yourself, no need to feel disappointed. The more you practice, the less that will happen. In fact, it's well known that consistent meditation gives us the ability to be present in other components of life. I like the analogy that it helps the spirit establish more and more roots within the body, so it becomes less easy to untether itself and wander again. Number two, before sleep, turn off the lights, put down your phone, Close your eyes and just feel your body again. Imagine your body as a cozy cave, and your mind is this little animal that retracts into it. Again, feel how it feels. Scan your body to notice, oh, my knees are kind of cold, or oh, there's a zap in my hand. 
There's this little trick that can help you calm your mind and make you fall asleep faster in Chinese medicine. Try lie on your back and put one hand on your belly button and leave it there for as long as you need to fall asleep. In this time, observe how your internal body reacts to that. You might suddenly have a growling stomach or you might feel warmth on your back, or your hand becomes sweaty out of nowhere, or you might not feel anything at all, and that's okay. Regardless, keep your hand on your belly button and just be as comfortable as you can. In acupuncture, the belly button is a position where it can help to bring your spirit back into your body. Number three, if you can, don't look at a screen when you eat. Talk with your family, partner, roommates. If you live alone, look outside and enjoy the view. Then close your eyes when you chew, when you swallow. Feel how the food passes through your esophagus and into your stomach. Where does the food blob stop at? Does it stop somewhere upper stomach or lower in the abdomen? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it add pressure to your internal chamber? Does it make you sweat? Does it make you want to burp? Does it make your feet warm? Different food all do different things like that to your body. Can you tell them apart? Can you feel what kind of food does your body prefer? It's actually really fun, and you might even slowly notice that at the moment of eating, your body already feels better when you eat healthier, fresher food. Number four, the most overly talked about but genuinely good advice, exercise. Go for a run. Or don't if you have bad knees. Do Pilates. Do hiking instead. Tennis. Biking. Skiing. Rock climbing. Doesn't matter what you do, but be present when you do it. Don't listen to podcasts. Music is okay, but no music is even better. I know for a lot of people, especially those who don't already have a regular habit of exercising, Getting started is really hard. Remember, it's important to scale back based on what you can do. If all you have is a tiny room and a yoga mat, do 10 squats and 5 burpees and repeat them 3 times. That's your exercise of the day. That's just as good as going to the gym and lift for 2 hours. No, it's better because you actually did this one. The reason exercising helps is because when you exercise, there's so much physical movement that you have no room for thoughts. Your spirit is forced to be with your body. We hear so much about the runner's high, the endorphins that exercise release. I also like to think of it as the contentment resulting from the spirit becoming one with the body for a while. 
Just like meditation, it's a very useful practice to bring them together. Plus, there's all that enormous amount of benefits it brings to your physical body, and everyone knows that. So I don't have to go into the details for time's sake. And number five, last but not least, do physical things with your body, with your senses, instead of watching a screen or staying still and think with your head. This can be learning to play a musical instrument, bake a delicious cake, try cook a new recipe, doing woodworking, crafts, house building, whatever you can think of that has a physical aspect to it. Hell, even doing chores are a great way of staying connected to your body. Sweeping, cleaning dishes, folding laundry. And I want to stress that when you do them, try your best to do them meditatively, without music or podcasts or some show playing in the background. I know it's very boring in the beginning, so instead of looking for distractions in your headphones, put your attention back to your body and notice things. Notice how heavy the pot is, how your knee feels weird kneeling in that position. How different wood and fabric has different textures. If you ever notice your thought drifting again, that's perfectly okay. Acknowledge what happened and bring your mind back, like little mice back to its cave, and once again be cozy in there, and notice how everything feels. It's a really nice feeling. By doing these little practices. Your mind will get more and more used to being back to the body. The practices themselves would naturally get easier too. For example, I find myself no longer want to eat in front of a TV screen, and I genuinely look forward to emptying out the dishwasher every morning. Another surprise is, you will find your sensitivity level going up too. For me, clouds start to look like. Animals again. There are lots of birds around our house, and I can tell which one is which just by the sounds they make. I can even tell the tiny little emotions in my partner right now, whether he is really happy, a little stressed, or deeply content. This heightened sensitivity will make life even more fun to live. So I can guarantee you. When your mind and body can stay as one, you will hundred percent feel that joy of living. It just works like that. Going back, when Joe recalled himself telling twenty-two that walking is plain old living, but actually realized that's what spark truly means, I cried so hard at that scene because it's so simple. We need sparks to live. Sparks are the reason of why we are alive. You can find it in everyday walking, standing, eating, and being present, feeling everything in front of you. That was the answer to my nihilistic life. I never made into medical school. I'm now laid off from an R and D project that was supposed to change the world. I haven't even worked for almost a year now. 
All I do every day is cook three meals a day, go for a run, learn more Chinese medicine, and lie in the sun. I'm the happiest that I've ever been, because that's all there is to life. You don't have to accomplish anything to be worthy to live. Dreams are not that big of a deal either. A life of watching the sky, walking, and eating pizza is a life rightfully lived.